Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench. Roy here with you until 7pm tonight. Coming up on the show, we are going to recap all the day's action, all the day's action in the Premier League as well. Liverpool looking good now against West Ham. They're tuning up with 72 minutes played. And we'll get you an update on that one in just a little bit. Elsewhere, we're going to be talking to Roy Donovan about life in Australia. He scored his 50th A-League goal this week and then his 51st. A couple of days after becoming an Australian citizen, we're going to talk to him all about that. We're going to talk to James Kabia about life at Livingston. It's been a good week for him, scoring his first goal uh, on Wednesday for the Scottish side. We're going to talk rugby. As they get ready for the Six Nations, going to hear from uh, Johnny Sexton and Andy Farland. We're going to talk Camogie as well. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. If you want to get in touch with us via text or WhatsApp, and it's straight uh, to that uh, London Stadium now as uh, Liverpool lead West Ham by two goals to nil. Guy Swindles. West Ham nil, Liverpool two. Brilliant goal on the counter attack from Liverpool. Played out from a West Ham corner, then Shakiri into the middle, and then a delicious finish by Mo Salah, bringing it down on his right foot, dinking it over the keeper with his left. West Ham nil, Liverpool two. Yeah, it was a smashing goal, a wonderful counter attack, a wonderful cross, a tremendous finish. That was a goal of the highest, highest quality, and it looks like it's going to give Liverpool all three points. The first one wasn't bad either, it has to be said. Um, so if things stay as they are, it'll be Liverpool back into the top four. They'll go third point behind second place Manchester United, four behind uh, leaders Manchester City. Manchester City have played a game less. Elsewhere, uh, Leeds had a good win today over Leicester Derek Clark. Full time, Leicester 1 leads 3. Marcelo Bielsa's men come from behind to record an impressive win here. Harvey Barnes fired the Foxes ahead on 12 minutes with a great solo goal. Stuart Dallas equalised 3 minutes later, finishing off a well-worked move. Both sides had goals chopped off in a pulsating first half. Patrick Bamford's expert finish on 70 minutes put Leeds ahead, while Jack Harrison put the icing on the cake on 84 minutes after the Whites hit Leicester on the break. It's finished. Leicester 1 leads 3. So first goal in four games for Patrick Bamford and he was uh, delighted and relieved to get back on the score sheet I'd love to say I don't think about it but all strikers do don't they so as long as I keep putting myself in the position to be honest today it was more important to um, give a good performance from me because last couple of games I've been a little bit off it Elsewhere at lunchtime today, Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel got his first win with a 2-0 win over Burnley. Um, a good win for them as well. Chelsea 2, Burnley 0. Azpilicueta's first left footer, five minutes from the break, gave Chelsea the lead. Hudson-Odoi crashed the right footer onto the post. And then five minutes from full-time, Alonso made the game safe with a superb twisting left foot volley. In between the goals, Chelsea made and missed a succession of half chances to the evident frustration of new manager Thomas Tuchel but he will be delighted to be able to celebrate his first win and a deserved one of that. Chelsea 2, Burnley 0. There's one more game this evening and that is at uh, 7.15 and it is uh, Brighton against Tottenham and 15 minutes left to go it's uh, West Ham nil Liverpool 2 Liverpool looking good for all three points there now police are launching an investigation after Manchester United's Marcus Rashford became the latest high profile footballer to be racially abused online he was targeted uh, after yesterday's Premier League match against Arsenal while his teammates Axel Tunze and Anthony Martial have also received hate comments this week 
Abuse of West Bromwich fielder Roman Sawyers led to a 49-year-old man being arrested yesterday. Former Ireland international Clinton Morrison said he's glad to see authorities responding immediately. Enough's enough. You shouldn't be because you're a professional footballer and you don't have a good game that they start abusing the colour of your skin. No, tell me I'm a bad footballer and I'll accept it. Don't talk about the colour of my skin. I've been brought on this earth. I am a black person and I'm trying to do well. Arsenal boss McKellar Tedham meanwhile reckons his team are in a good place to secure a top four finish this season. Their goal to strong against Manchester United yesterday extended their unbeaten run in the Premier League to seven games. Arteta says after a difficult festive period the side are getting back to their best. The team is in a really good moment. I think we are moving in the right direction. All the players are so willing to contribute to the team, to contribute to the project that we have in place. When that's the case, I have to push them and make them believe that we can finish the season in a really strong way. You know, the boss, Ole Gunnar Stosch, meanwhile, was happy enough with their performance yesterday. You look at the games that we played, Arsenal, Chelsea, City, Liverpool. We defend well, we don't really concede too many chances. There's one foundation to play from. We need, of course, to take our chances. And we know we've got players to do that. We just haven't done it. Celtic boss Neil Lennon meanwhile says he's scratching his head as to why his team are lacking a spark this season. The defending champions are 23 points off the top of the Scottish Premiership table as they lost at home to St Mirren yesterday. Lennon says there was a number of aspects missing from the performance yesterday. We've got to show a lot more commitment, application, quality. You know, there's quality lacking today in the final third and we've got quality players on the pitch. So, you know, we need far more, particularly, you know, when we are on top. We've lacked that. We've 18 attempts on goal, four on target. It's not good enough. Just a little bit more in the Premier League. Leicester still in third, missing a chance to go second. Uh, their unbeaten run brought to an end today after that 3-1 defeat to Leeds. Manager Brendan Rodgers says missing the chance to go second doesn't make the result any more significant. No, it just feels like a loss, <laughs> like they all do. It's one where the, the beauty of, of us as a group, that when we, we fail or we lose a game, we try to learn from it and then look to win our next game. Roy McIlroy, meanwhile, is just getting his final round of the Farmers Insurance Open in California underway. He's on seven under par, the County Down natives, and a tie for eighth. He's just three shots off the pace. That's shared by the Mexican Carlos Ortiz and the American Patrick Reed. Paulie Carrington finishing in a share of sixth place at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic on nine under par today. This is his best finish in over two years. The Dubliner was eight shots behind the winner, Paul Casey. Shane Lowry finished up five shots back on four under par. And so it's the final day of the German Masters. That's uh, taking place in Milton Keynes this year obviously enough due to coronavirus uh, World number 1 the reigning champion Judd Trump uh, leads his fellow Englishman Jack Lazowski 7 frames to 1 at the break and there was racing at Nace this afternoon the William Mullins trained back his son with Paul Townend on board has won the limestone lat hurdle going off at 11 to 8 Richard Blackmore got in the Henry de Bromhead trained a clat de rear to victory in the Nace race course at Business Club Novice Steeplechase going off at odds of 11 to 4 we're going to kick off the show with football. It's been quite a week for Cork's Roy O'Donovan. The former Cork City striker scored his 50th A-League goal in Australia, scoring in Newcastle just 2-1 win over Wellington Phoenix last weekend. Later that week, he and his wife Ellen became Australian citizens, with Roy then scoring his first goal as an Aussie citizen on Friday, scoring a late penalty as the Jets drew one all with Western Sydney Wanderers. I spoke to Roy yesterday about a big week for him. Very good, Rory. Nice to nice to be speaking to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on to the the show. Uh, we'll start with the big news um, this week. Yourself, your wife, and your son becoming Australian citizens. Congratulations, first off. Incredible news, and it must be a, a massive honour for the three of you. Ah, yeah. Thanks very much. Uh, look, we're we're supremely honoured to uh, have dual citizenship now. As such, it gives us options to win when football finishes, where we want to live and stuff. And uh, you know, since we came to Australia, it's it's felt like home. Uh, the people over here are terrific, very similar to Irish people. 
you know, the same values, the same sense of humor. So, uh, you know, the sunshine is the only difference to get regular. <laughs> and you have, you have, and you haven't picked up an Australian accent anyway. No, I haven't. I try my hardest not to, but uh, you know, I, I have a passport now, so I've every excuse. Um, for us in Ireland, looking on at Australia from the outside, it's like a completely different world to what we're experiencing here. I mean, like, what's life been like with COVID in Australia? Yeah, we're back to normal now. Uh, apart from the first six weeks, where there was a, you know six six to eight weeks, there was panic stations. But um, the best thing they did was they locked down the international borders, so there was no new cases of coronavirus coming in. And uh, you know, as a country, they were very militant about dealing with the cases that were here. And it's been you know it's been perfect, really. Uh, as I said, after that initial period. Uh, we were back in, in, in pubs and back in restaurants and, and, and living life again, albeit a little bit of social distancing, but uh, that's, that probably suits a lot of people anyway. <laughs> Must be weird for you then, look, kind of looking on at everything that's happening in Ireland, going like, this is so different to what I'm experiencing. Yeah, look, actually, it's very, it's very frustrating to see because, uh, you know, I think with America and the UK not locking their borders, obviously we, as a small nation, I don't think we had many options than to keep ours open but unfortunately that means you know for a small country like ours we're under a lot of duress a lot of a lot of pressure when people get the uh, get the the coronavirus and uh, unfortunately the numbers have been been shocking but um as i said i think the next six to eight weeks back at home will tell a lot now with, with vaccinations and all that carry on and hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel people can get back to their normal life. Fingers crossed. And uh, normality for you is scoring goals for Newcastle Jets, which you've been doing quite a lot this week. Your 50th goal in Australia. An absolutely huge milestone, Roy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, 50 goals in just over 100 games. And I scored my 51st last night as well. So, um, you know, very, very proud uh, to hit that milestone. But, you know, I'm ambitious. I'm hungry. I want to uh, try and get to 100 if I can. So, um, yeah, we, we, we crack on. But, uh, no, look, I'm incredibly, you know, honoured to, to be still playing at this level um, and push my body and, and my mind um, to, you know, to keep going and you know, I'm enjoying it. And your first goal as an Australian citizen as well last night which must have been a special Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I, that put a line in the sand. 50 as an Irishman, one as an Australian. So <laughs> the Irish side of me is still winning at the moment. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you said after the game last night you feel like you've turned a corner. Has it been a, a tough start to the season for you? Yeah, it has been. I mean, we lost our, our coach um um, and we lost five international players out of our, our panel this year. So uh, we're left with really a very, very young, inexperienced um, team. Besides myself and, and a couple of centre-halves, um, we're, we're very young. Um, because the club is going through a bit of transition, um, ran out of money, similar to what's happening back at Cork City, but we, we got a takeover. Uh, but unfortunately, it missed transfer deadlines. So we, we have the squad that we have right now. So... Uh, you know, we have a lot of young players getting their getting their wings as such, mm. but they're doing great. As I said, we, we we've turned the corner the last couple of weeks. We got a, you know a couple of really good results, and we're playing some good football. So the future is bright. We're only look, we're only a handful of games into the season, but um, yeah, look, I, I have positive feelings about from this point on. You know. So when you you've got a young squad, or all the younger lads kind of looking to you for advice and kind of kind of leadership in that dressing room. Yeah, they're looking to me for advice, but I'm just telling them, look, just give me the ball. All I want to do is score a goal. So I'm, not really, I'm not really helping their game too much, but uh, it's great for myself. But uh, but no, yeah, look, yeah, you've got to become a little bit more of a mentor as you as you get older and you try to pa- pass on bits of advice. And, uh, 
you know, I, I try to pass on lots of advice to my strike partner at the moment uh, and tell him to do a lot of running for me so uh, I can have a lot more <laughs> energy than he has in the game. But, uh, but no, look, it's, it's, it's good to be, you know, to be in that position in the dressing room because, you know, you, you feel like you want to pass on your values and, and, and what you've learned over your career. By, and I've been lucky enough to play with, with great players from, from Cork City days right through to now. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting to pass on a, a little bit of advice. <laughs> Must be a strange situation, though, when you kind of look around the dressing room and kind of realise, oh, wait, I'm the old seasoned pro- professional veteran here now. Like That's it. Like, I know, it uh, seems like only yesterday I was the youngest one, you know? So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing how time flies. So, you know, as I said, I keep... Uh, I try not to... You know, I think too much about age and, and birth cert, but it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to do that when lads in my in my team are eighteen and nineteen years old. You know, and so I'm literally nearly twice their age. Yeah, but but uh, I suppose that youth, I suppose, kind of keeps you honest, I guess, and kind of makes you work harder, I suppose, to, to keep a place in the team. Absolutely. Look, first of all, you're trying to keep up. You're trying to keep up, whether it's you know sprint tests and training, or it's it's match day and it's 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 whatever. Trying to win games, you're you're trying to show you're still more than capable and, and front and center. Uh, but again, it gives you a lot of energy playing with young players that kind of invigorate you. That you know, they that that drive, that hunger to to make it and, and do something in their career. So it's a uh, yeah, actually, I, I feed off that kind of stuff. So when you look back, right, your your fifty goals, which which ones kind of stand out as the best goals, or maybe not even the best goals, but the most important goals? Yeah, yeah. Look, they're they're all they're all special in their own way. I, I don't I don't score many too many outside the box. I, I would imagine I'll about fifty one. Probably 48 of them from, were about eight yards out, <laughs> um, which suits me down to the ground. Um, but uh, look, I, I've, I think I, I scored a couple of good ones. I scored a hat trick for Brisbane Roar last year. I was only there for a short spell, but uh, it was a it was a big. You know, we were we were training down the game and uh, we were we were struggling, and we came back and won the game four three. I scored a hat trick in that game, so that that was a really you know a bright spot for for me at Brisbane Roar um, for Newcastle Jets. My actually my my debut. Uh, was against my previous club here. My first club was called Central Coast Mariners, mm. and I scored a hat trick on my debut against them uh, for Newcastle Jets. So I, I introduced myself to my my new supporters against my old supporters. So it was, it was lovely. Actually, speaking of Brisbane Roar, what was it like uh, working with Robbie Fowler? Yeah, look, it was good. It was uh, you know he's uh, obviously you know iconic player, great player, um, and it's his first managerial gig. So you know. Um, it, you know, it was different for him, I suppose, not being in the dressing room and not being part of it all. But uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great experience. I, I thought he was a, a good guy. Um, he used to, um, you know, put on some good sessions. He used to join in the finishing training sometimes, and uh, he still had an absolute wicked left foot to be yeah. fair to. Him. But uh, but he was funny. He was, he was a good guy, and uh, I was, you know, very fortunate to have the opportunity to work with him before, obviously, he headed off to uh, he's managing in India now. Mm. Um, are you keeping tabs on, on Cork City back at home and kind of I suppose they had a tough season last year but now I am yeah well, well obviously I mean with Neil Fenner and Joe being um, mm. at the helm last year it was very difficult to to kind of watch that uh, obviously you know it looked like they ran out of money I think um, they weren't able to recruit the kind of calibre of players they needed to compete at the top end of the the Premier Division and um yeah, it looked like confidence wavered fairly quickly in the season and they didn't have the experience or the quality to, to get going again, especially after COVID. So it was, frustra- it was frustrating from a supporter point of view. But, you know, it, what, what happens now, it, it gives the younger players an opportunity to, to regroup and reset this year. 
And Colin Healy is probably a very wise appointment. He, he knows the DNA of the football club. He knows the culture there. But in the same breath, he knows the young players that are coming through. So I hope they can get back up at the first attempt and, uh, you know, have a great season in the first division and come up full of confidence because the League of Ireland needs Cork City in the top division. It's around this time every year that the Royal Donovan is coming back to Cork City. Rumours start before the start of the season. Uh, it's, <laughs> is it ever likely, do you think? Or, I mean, like, I suppose you're settling in Australia now. It's, it's probably uh, unlikely. Look, I'd, I'd, I'd love to uh, think that would still be an option at some stage. I would like to uh, pull out a Cork City jersey again in front of a full tarnished cross. Obviously, that's always be a nice thought for me. But uh, whether it will ever happen, we'll have to wait and see. But never say never. <laughs> I think it'd be fantastic to see you back in a city short as unlikely as it is Mayor what's the what's the target now for the rest of the season with the with the Jets to be honest with you just continue the way we're playing because uh, we were unfortunate the first few games this season we lost by the odd goal and, and it just came down to really inexperience and teams with you know really top class you know international players that have played in the league at the Premier League for their country whatever you know, hurting us and uh, we didn't really have an answer but the last few games as I said we look like uh, a team on the up we're passing the ball really well we're putting teams under the cosh and um, yeah look we're getting results as well which is which is the key thing in right. professional football it's all about results so um, yeah look I think if we can challenge the teams in around us and, and you know be in, in around the mix in the middle of the table because um, it's a it's a kind of a playoff system over here, grand final system. So if we can be anywhere near the top six, I think we can do some damage. And BT are showing the games over here quite early in the morning, obviously with the time difference, and we've been watching a lot of games. The standard looks really, really good. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of top quality players come over here. There's obviously financially, as I've spoken to you before, Fox Sports, which is the equivalent to Sky Sports, they they pay for everything with the salary cap, players, marquee players. Um, and obviously every game is televised so with that you get five foreign players which brings the, the standard up straight away you get players as I said from La Liga from the Premier League people with you know 50, 60, 70 caps for their country coming to play in Australia and uh, yeah it looks a good standard of football but you've got to be very fit because the heat here does play a, a massive uh, part in, in the games and to, to have a high tempo game for 90 minutes in 33 degree heat it's a uh, <laughs> I should know I'm wearing Factor 50 morning, noon, and night, even when I sleep in the morning. It's not exactly going up to, to Bally Buffet on a Tuesday night kind of thing, like. No, it's, it's not. That's Windburn over here. It's proper sunburn. So. <laughs> and, Roy, I suppose looking a bit further down the line, is, is coaching something you'd like to get into once the, the, the playing side kind of comes to an end? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm currently on my uh, UEFA A license, which is being run actually by another Corkman in uh, Nyla Regan. Mm. Um, and coaching is something I, as I said I, I enjoy doing I like mentoring the young boys as a player right now um, I like a bit of media stuff as well I, I, you know I like talking about games and talking about formations and stuff like that but um, uh, really and truly I'm still in playing mode you know I really have uh, my, my game my game head on and I want to play for as long as I can and at the best level I can I'm not going to just be standing out there for the sake of it making up the numbers but physically I feel good as you said I'm scoring a few goals so uh, as long as I'm doing that I'll, I'll keep myself in the window yeah. Excellent Roy Pleasure talking to you buddy and uh, stay safe and uh, we'll chat to you soon You too Rory take care buddy 
Always good to chat to Roy Donovan on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Hadn't spoken to him in a while. Thought that it was a good opportunity, yes, since he scored his uh, 50th goal uh, in the A-League and, uh, of course, being uh, made an Australian citizen this week as well. So a huge week for him. So good to chat up, uh, catch up with Roy and uh, good to hear he's uh, doing well and good to see him doing well as well. A great goal as well for his, uh, his 50th goal and a nice penalty as well on Friday. All right, it's nearly over at the London Stadium and there's been a couple of goals, but no real change. West Ham 1, Liverpool 3. The Hammers get onto the score sheet. They've had a succession of corners in the second half and finally an excellent delivery from Cresswell. It was missed by everybody in the Liverpool defence except for Craig Dawson up from the back and he tucked home for his third goal of the season, the central defender. Too late, you feel, for West Ham, but some consolation. West Ham 1, Liverpool 3. Yeah, there's time added on there. About a minute left to go. That'll see Liverpool up to third in the Premier League table and uh, West Ham's uh, winning run coming to an end we are going to talk uh, Camogie now Valerie has been speaking to Pamela Frizzell the Camogie Association's Learning and Development Coordinator they've launched PR Oog for 2021 it ran last year now this role is aimed at 15 to 21 year olds who have a specific interest in public relations and in particular social media last year they had 48 participants who completed the training and then were creating excellent and posts and contributed by helping their PRO to produce posters, match reports, other resources, that kind of thing. Valerie caught up with Pamela Purcell earlier on in the week. Thank you very much. <laughs> Pamela, first of all, for people that don't know you and maybe don't know your role in the Camogie, can you tell us a bit about what you do there? Yep, so my role is um, the Learning and Development Coordinator um, and my job would be to provide training for all the volunteers that are associated with Camogie. Um, I also work along with the GEA and LGFA to provide officer training and things like that. So anything that involves training of all our volunteers, yep, you can contact me. Brilliant, you're an important woman so within the organisation, Pamela, you're the woman to go to if we need to upskill. That's it. <laughs> Pamela, we're here to talk about, though, last July in 2020, you launched a new initiative, the PRO, which was probably aimed at supporting club and county PROs. Can you tell us a bit how that went last year for you as well and where you come up with the idea to launch this? Okay, so the idea of this programme is to introduce um, young PROs into muggy clubs and counties. The role of the PRO is ever-increasing and it's really difficult for one person to cover all the bases. Um, it's especially difficult with the ever-changing face of social media, so trying to keep Komogi up-to-date and relevant and appealing for everyone, um, while also keeping up-to-date with the teams and matches and training means that it's really um, overwhelming for one person to try to cope with that volume of work. So the PRO role has been brought in to encourage young people to get involved and learn the skills of public relations and hopefully be our future PROs. The advantage that young people have is they've actually grown up with social media and find it easy to keep their feeds really fresh, original and innovative. And we as an association want to encourage young people to use their skills to promote our sport. Brilliant. And it's such an amazing initiative, to be honest, because if I know if I was that age, I'm a bit older now at this stage to be applying for PRO. (laughs) But if I was that age, I think I'd jump at the chance to be involved in sport and to be tweeting about Camogie. I mean, I mean, it sounds like the dream role, to be honest, Pamela. Yeah. And so what we're looking for is anyone between the ages of 15 and 21 who are interested in promoting camogie um, within your club or your county. You don't have to have played the sport or still play the sport. And that's important. So people who maybe just want to be involved in the background or involved in PR side of sport. And we're particularly interested in people who um, like posting on popular platforms like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. 
Okay, so last year you had 48 participants who completed the training and probably created some amazing content out there on their social media platforms within their clubs. Yeah, yeah, they were absolutely amazing. I have to say we were totally blown away by it. Um, We had 40 that completed it, um, around 40 that completed it, and the PRO um, learned from their own county and club PROs, plus our PROs actually learned from them. So it will work both ways, which is really useful. Um, We provide them with training. So we gave them training on social media, how to use social media effectively, writing match reports, using some different graphic design software, and much more. We then gave them tasks and challenges and asked them then to keep up to date on their social media accounts. And as a success from last year, we actually have several of our PROs who became county PROs this year and even one that became a provincial PRO. So it was a big success. Well, that's amazing to hear. I mean, already they were only in the job a couple of months and now they've been promoted to being PRO of the county. I mean, that's great to see. And it's so nice to get people still involved with Camogie, as you said, even if they don't play and they just love the sport, you don't have to play to get involved. Well, that's it. I mean, and there's plenty of people who maybe, you know, have decided after time that they weren't maybe good enough or didn't enjoy the training aspect of it. Um, or maybe just, you know, for inclusion purposes, maybe, you know, it's just anybody in the community can get involved in this. And it doesn't have to be girls as well. Boys can get involved to anybody that's interested. Brilliant. So what would the role of the PRO be if they were to apply to this? So um, the role is that they um, attend training sessions and it is now going to be an official role within the Camogie Association. So they attend all the training sessions um, and then they get their tasks and they just simply post and keep up to date with the club or county um, Camogie Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages and just make sure that you're promoting Camogie in a very positive light. If they are interested, where can people go, Pamela? Where do they go if there's anyone listening out there now in Cork today? Okay, so there is an expression of interest form that needs to be submitted online. Now, the deadline is coming up. It's um, as long as the forms are in before Monday the 1st. Um, So you need to move quickly if you'd like to get involved. Um, And all the further information and contact details are found on our website, which is camogie.ie. Perfect. And I will share on our social media channels right now. You have a little Become a PRO poster. So I'm going to put that up there and everyone can find the details there. Is that okay, Pamela? That's great. Thank you. And my email address and all is on that as well. So if you need any further information, please don't hesitate to contact me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us on the Big Red Bench this week. It's been absolutely amazing and congrats and well done and having such a successful initiative within the Camogie. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's Pamela Frizzell there of the Camogie Association talking about PRO. You can get more details on the Camogie Association's Twitter. Uh, it's full time at the London Stadium. It's finished. West Ham won at Liverpool 3. Mohamed Salah with two cracking goals for the Reds. He's right back in form. There's Georgina Wijnaldum uh, with uh, Liverpool's third. Craig Dawson with a consolation goal for the Irons. That uh, result sees Liverpool up to third and uh, a point behind second place Manchester United and four behind the leaders Manchester City. So it's the title race uh, going to be very, very interesting as things progress. Brighton and Tottenham is the late kickoff. That is at quarter past seven this evening. Going to take a quick break when we come back. Going to be looking ahead to the start of the Six Nations. Going to hear from Johnny Saxon and Andy Farrell. Next, I will talk to Jay Skibia about life at Livingston. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Very glad you tuned into the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening right here on Cork's Red FM here until 7pm. And uh, we are followed by the uh, fantastic Green and Red, three hours of the best Irish music coming your way between 7 and 10 right here on Red FM. Full-time report from the London Stadium where Liverpool have beaten West Ham by three goals to one in the Premier League. Guy Swindles was there.
West Ham 1, Liverpool 3. For the second time in less than 72 hours, Liverpool have come to London and won 3-1. This was pretty comfortable. First half, pretty cagey. Second half, suddenly Mo Salah sprung to life. Two goals, both brilliantly taken, and they were home and dry. There was time for an even better third from Wijnaldum. West Ham got something back through Dawson from a corner, but it finishes West Ham 1, Liverpool 3. One last game in the Premier League tonight. That's Brighton and Tottenham. A quarter past seven and the final Premier League game of the day at the Amex, Richard Newman. Gareth Bale is the Tottenham player who gets the nod to replace the injured Harry Kane for this trip to Brighton. It's his first Premier League start since the win over West Brom in early November. He's one of four changes for Spurs. Serge Aurier is possibly on the naughty step after reportedly storming out at half-time during the defeat to Liverpool. So he's out. In comes Toby Alderweireld, Darrington Sanchez and Moussa Sissoko, Eric Dyer and Matt Doherty, the other players to drop out. Brighton are unchanged from the goalless draw with Fulham, but winger Jose Iscriedo is back in a matchday squad for the first time since April 2019 after serious injuries he's on the bench Brighton against Tottenham it's a 7.15 kickoff it's actually interesting hearing Roy Keane yesterday talking about Manchester United he said uh, his former side were frightened frightened by the challenge of winning the Premier League it's been a rough week for them beaten by Sheffield United uh, earlier on the week by two goals to one the bottom of the table side picking up a famous victory for them um, up until that point they were the worst team in Premier League history after 19 games just 5 points uh, so they're now 3 points adrift of the tabletoppers Manchester City after yesterday's draw uh, with Arsenal and uh, Kino simply says United are bottling the big moments they've got to the top and all of a sudden people are saying can you win the league can you compete with Man City and it looks as if the players have all got a bit almost frightened of the challenge as if going well, I don't think we're ready for that all he keeps talking about these players and they're winners you go Come on then, grab it, go for it. Now, it's been quite a week for uh, former co-Ramblers winger Corkman as well, Jay's Kibia. Um, he's signed for Livingston, made his debut last week. He was on the bench for the League Cup and uh, this week scored his first goal for the club uh, against Kilmarnock on Wednesday. Now, I caught up with him and um, we chatted about leaving Shelburne, adapting to life in the Scottish Premiership, the professional advice he's gotten from his dad, former footballer, uh, Cork City legend Jason Kibia. Uh, the upcoming League Cup final against St Johnston and his dream of playing for Ireland alongside his buddy Adam Ida. Uh, this interview as well, just just uh, a note, was recorded before the game with Kilmarnock. It was recorded earlier on the week. Uh, but this is my chat with uh, Jez Kibia. All right, Jez. Uh, thanks very much for talking to us on the Big Red Bench first off, boy. No worries. Anytime. Um, tell us how the move to Livingston came about. Yeah, obviously, I was just playing with Shelburne and that and um, I impressed a few people obviously there and you know, people talk and the word got across to Livingston and, you know, my agent as well is Jackie McNamara. He's from Scotland, so, you know, they're in contact with him. Asked them if I could come over for a week in the middle of December, so I went over for a week and, you know, they were delighted with how I'd done and they wanted to sign me. But, um, you know, I went to Ipswich as well and stuff, but I just felt like, this was the club for me when when I first came here I just knew like the dressing room was brilliant like the manager you know he's he's doing a brilliant job here and you know he's just trying to make me a better player so you know it was a no-brainer for me really in the end Was it a tough decision to leave Shelburne or because you you've done fairly well there since you you left Club Ramblers? Ah uh, yeah definitely it wasn't easy leaving Shelburne at all um, 
like you know I I was staying with um one of the board members um Stephen Mulhern and his wife's Donna and their their two children as well and you know they became like a family to me so it was it was, uh, it was hard even leaving them never mind leaving Shelburne mm. And obviously, like, you were with Cove Ramblers before that, and Steve Henderson was your manager there. He was involved with Shelburne uh, behind the scenes of the academy and stuff. So he must have been a big help to you throughout the, the, the whole Shelburne run, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. You'd always see his face around the training ground <laughs> every day. But, uh, no, yeah, Hendo was constantly on to me, you know, just checking on me, making sure I was fine. Just like most people at the club, like, the way I was treated at Shelburne, you know, I'm ever so grateful for what that club has done for me. You know, it's helped me leaps and bounds. And, you know, the way, they, as I said, the way they treated me was just second to none. So I, I was, you know, I wasn't obviously happy leaving, but I felt that I was the next step I needed for my career. So that's mm. where I went. It's going to be um, a very competitive first division next year. Is it with Shelburne down there, Cork City, Galway United, Cove Ramblers? It's going to be a cracking first division next year. Oh, start. I think it's going to be the best first division season that they had. Yeah, I know last year was tight, but with with this season, like you know, Galway, Cork City, Shells, the likes of Bray, Cove, pushing on City. You know, it's just everyone seems to like everyone has a chance this season. I think even at loan and teams like they, they're all building some strong teams. So <laughs> actually, I I could not predict anyone. To go, who's going to go up in that league? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be some first division next year. Obviously, your dad, former Cork City and Cove Rambler striker himself. Um, obviously, is he a man you turned to, to advice, and has he been helping you to, to kind of plot your career? I guess. Oh yeah, like you know, my dad's obviously had a, a decent career. You know, he's he's played at a decent level, and you know, he knows his stuff. My uncles just all my family because I come from quite a sporting family so you know like he just you know it was kind of we spoke with my agent and you know me and my dad and we all kind of agreed that you know we think this was the next step needed for my career so that's what brought me here how have you found the the step up? I suppose from the, the the Premier Division of the League of Ireland to the Scottish Premiership because on paper it seems like quite a big leap. Um, yeah, it has, you know, it has been a big step up, but I felt like I've settled into it nicely. Um, you know, like everything is a lot sharper, a lot quicker, you know, more physically demanding. But I felt like, to be fair, settled in well. So, you know, I feel up to the task. But, you know, just need to keep training hard, get my head down and keep improving and see where that takes me. Mm. And obviously when you went over there for that week before Christmas, you got a good feeling for the club. What's it been like in the dressing room? The lad's been quite welcoming and has been a good dressing room to go into. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them has been so welcoming for me. Like, uh, you know... That dressing room that I'm in at the minute is, is one of the best dressing rooms that I've been in. You know, just going into training, you know, smiles all around, you know, everyone laughing and joking. And, you know, like, it's just, you just can't talk when, when dressing rooms like that. Because, you know, obviously the form we've been in, we're 11 unbeaten. 
So it's just un- an unbelievable record. So, you know, we're all happy, happy and, you know, no complaining any at the minute. <laughs> As you say, 11 unbeaten, fifth in the league at the moment. Um, obviously, a, a tough team, I suppose, to break into, um, given how well they're going at the moment. But I suppose that's the challenge for you. Yeah, no, exactly as you said there. Like with the run the boys have been on, like it's it's just like I'm ever gonna get looking here. But you know, uh, fortunately enough, you know the managers gave me an opportunity to make my debut against Celtic. You know, which I'm, you know, so fortunate to have had that opportunity, and like couldn't being an Irish kid, like you know. <laughs> You actually you couldn't like make it up like to be making their debut against any other team. Mm. So like just to have even have that opportunity was ridiculous. And from there then to be on the bench in, in the semi final of you know Bedford Cup Scottish Bedford Cup you know in Hamden Park like you just can't make it up. It's it's been a bit surreal for me like <laughs> lately, but you know yeah. I'm loving it. That's some way to make your debut against Celtic. Were you a Celtic fan growing up as a kid? Uh, do you know what? I wasn't even like, you know, I didn't really support like um, Scottish football, you know. I just, Arsenal was my team, so <laughs> I supported Arsenal and, you know, I just liked watching the old firm derbies and, you know, just watching Scottish games of football, but I didn't have like, you know, preferred team, but, you know, it's still incredible, like the biggest club in Scot in Scotland, and to be making my debut against them, you know they won the league the last ten years in a row. Mm. So it's it's just it's amazing to be out in the pitch with surrounded by such mm. players of that caliber. And a great result as well that two all draw. But all the headlines, especially here in Cork and Ireland, the next day was uh, your altercation with Scott Brown, shall we say, um, that resulted <laughs> in him getting sent off. Can you talk us through what happened? Um, uh, just basically, I went to. He had the ball, and I just went to press him. <laughs> and um, he's kind of going toward, like away, like he's going across the pitch, and Callum McGregor's coming the other way, and he's taking the ball off him. <laughs> and obviously, I've gone switched my run to go to Callum McGregor, and he's kind of turned, and he's just swung his elbow at me, and you know, he caught me in the nose. <laughs> so it's a nice little one, but um, yeah, rightly so. He got his marching orders on you. Yeah, did he apologise to you afterwards, or did you even see him afterwards? I didn't see him, to be honest. Yeah, it was kind of a, a probably better off. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a welcome to Scottish football, kid. Kind of one was on. That's exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but um, it looked sore enough, was it sore? Ah. Uh, it's just one of them, like the adrenaline takes you through it, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even looking at the conditions, Jay, I mean, like you're playing on a pitch that was covered in snow, which is a massive change, I suppose, to, to what you're used to. Was that kind of hard to adjust to that Scottish weather, that Scottish climate and playing on snow-covered pitches and all that? Do you know what? Since I got here, um, I'm not joking, 90% of the time it snowed. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, there's days where we've gone into training and we've had to postpone training for an hour or two yeah. to get the contractors in to clear the pitches and stuff. So, like, you know, it's 
you know, Ireland's not the warmest place either, so it wasn't the hardest, you know, coming from <laughs> Portugal or something and it trying to adjust, but uh, you know, it's 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 all right, you know, I'm enjoying it and can't complain about anything right now, it's, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and come here, the the League Cup um, semi final yesterday. Uh, getting to be in a squad at Hamden must have been a massive thrill. Oh, it's incredible. Just like you know, just jogging out onto that pitch, you know, and just like just soaking in the surroundings. It was it was unbelievable. You know, like I can only imagine that place if it was full of fans. You know, that would have probably been the only thing to to have topped that. You know. Obviously, I didn't get on, but, you know, the lads were done an absolutely brilliant job, you know. We held it together and we have a final to look forward to now in Hamden again and fingers crossed they can get get on that day. Yeah, it's been 17 years, I think, since the club last won the, the League Cup, so I'd imagine the buzz around the place reaching the final in that dressing room must have been electric afterwards. Yeah, uh you know we have we, yeah after every after every you know game we kind of have a little sing and a dance like if if we get a good <laughs> result so you know it, it's just as I said earlier like the dressing room at the minute it just couldn't be a better place exactly yeah and I mean like uh, a good game yesterday against uh, a very decent side Conor McCarthy of course uh, starting for them did you get a chance to speak to him yesterday yeah, I spoke to Connor after the game, just commiserations and that. But no, he's a good lad. He messaged me, you know, at um, you know, when we get a chance to meet up and get a bite to eat or coffee, we'll do that. But um, you know, he's been doing brilliant since he got over here to Scotland. So it's great to see, it's great to see other Cork lads doing well. You know, um, I thought he was probably their best player. Mm. Um. Yesterday, or it was yeah, yesterday. So, you know, it's good to see other Cork lads doing well. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like seeing him do well, uh, being a success coming from the League of Ireland and making it in Scotland must be, I suppose, kind of an inspiration for you, I guess. Ah, yeah. You know, if I can follow in that path, you know, just, you know, just keep ticking away, keep, keep my head down, keep working hard, and, you know, hopefully for me, it's only around the corner. And, you know, I can be a regular in the team and, you know, push myself to, you know, do well. And not only that, just develop myself as a footballer, you know, if, if I keep my head down and keep working hard, then, then no doubt I'll be all right. And I suppose with the, the League Cup final coming up as well, I mean, like, everyone's going to be exciting, so everyone's excited, everyone's buzzing, so it's going to make training in that in, on the snow cover pitches yeah. that much easier for the next couple of weeks. I know trend's going to be you know everyone's fighting for a place now so you know the the tempo of training is just so high at the minute you know everyone's just trying to do their all to get in the team especially with such big games coming up but um, yeah I know I, I can't complain like you know I'm just so grateful to be a part of it at the minute but afterwards, uh, after you made your debut against Celtic last week, the after David Martindale comes out and he says that you've got massive potential, um, which I suppose must be particularly pleasing to hear after after making your debut. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant as a player to hear, you know, the gaffer speak of, like, such, such high quality about you, like, so, you know, just, you, you deep down just want to repay, you know, you want to repay that, 
that faith that he's shown in me. So yeah, hopefully, if I can just keep my head down, keep working hard, and I can repay his faith. I suppose long term ninjas mean like um, looking. For, I suppose you don't want to look too far ahead in your career, but obviously playing for Ireland must be part of your your thinking. I mean, like you know, do you think that it's possible for you to I suppose progress through the ranks and maybe maybe play for Ireland down the line? Oh yeah, no, definitely. You know, hopefully that with this move now it'll help. You know, build towards that 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 um that landmark in my career. You know, obviously, I'm still eligible to play for the Ireland under 21. So, so even a look in there would be brilliant anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose you look at the success that uh, Adamidas had playing for Ireland as well. Like you know, a, a player you know you would know well. Um, again, kind of I suppose for your confidence, going to give you that kind of target to aim for, I guess. Ah, uh, yeah, no. To be fair, Adam is he's a special talent, so. You know, yeah. If if I could, if I can get to that level anytime soon, then I'd be buzzing. Excellent. All right, James, come here. Thanks for talking to us, buddy. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you again before the end of that. But uh, thanks very much, and uh, for not talking to you. Best of luck uh, with the League Cup final. Thanks very much, Roy. Anytime. Yeah, great chat. Jess could be there about life uh, with Livingston. He certainly hit the ground running. Uh, he made his debut last week and uh, scored his first goal for the club. Introduced uh, as a sub about 15 minutes to go in the second uh, in the second half of the clash with Kilmarnock and scored the opener in the 89th minute uh, from close ranges. Uh, they went on to win two 0 So fantastic to see him doing well, and no doubt he's going to be a massive success there. You can even see that when he's playing for Cove Ramblers, like he had that raw ability that. Natural ability, and he carried that on to him with Shelburne as well. And no surprise that he was picked up to, to go to Scotland. And uh, I'm sure he'll do fantastically well. But that uh, Livingston team doing very, very well, and the, the League Cup final coming up against St Johnston as well. And it'd be great to see Jez get a run out uh, at Hamden, and uh, hopefully Livingston will go on and win. But uh, yeah, great to chat to, to Jez uh, about his life so far in Scotland and uh, snow covered pitches. <laughs> it's a bit of a difference than and the the rainy, windy pitches that we used to in Cork. But uh, yeah, a good chat to uh, Jay's. Uh, we're going to talk uh, rugby now, and uh, Six Nations, of course, uh, kicking off next week. Ireland in action against Wales next Sunday. We're going to hear from the Ireland coach Andy Farrell. Going to hear from the captain Johnny Saxon as well, chatting about the upcoming campaign, uh, the impact that Paul O'Connell uh, has had uh, since he's joined as forwards coach, and uh, what Wales bring to the table next Sunday. Not far at all. I think um, certainly we, 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 we made a couple of comments at the end of the autumn, you know, but we know where we're going and uh, we know how far we are from, from, from being there and we thought we made good strides and um, we're nearly where we want to be. But this is it now. The Six Nations is a, is a, is a fantastic competition um, and it's, it's there to be won by, by a number of teams. But to do that, uh, there's a few things that we need to uh, obviously keep getting better at um, uh, and I suppose uh, yeah obviously the, the question has, has been over the last while about dealing with the big games etc you've got to get through you've got to get through your first game your second game to, to, to assess where you're at before you before you um, you start talking about the last game which is where we want to be obviously to try and uh, to, to compete to win, win a competition but um, we we uh, we're a side that uh, that has 
developed in many ways, but at the same time, he's putting all the all the pieces together so that it uh, culminates in in the performance that we we uh, are proud of internally as well. Yeah, very very proud to to do it again, and I'm looking forward to it. I think I've learned a lot over the my first year doing it and um, hopefully I'll be better for it going into this campaign big aspirations that the team does does really well um, you know to try and win a championship as, as captain would be would be brilliant um, look there's lots of stuff um, you know for me it's about taking this uh, like campaign at a time you know and I'm just properly focused on, on this one so excited to get into camp uh, it was a great place to be in November and um, now hopefully we can keep it like that but uh, have a, a couple of extra results to, to, to go away you know and um, to win some silverware is, is where we want to where we want to be at the end of this tournament you're learning every day on the job uh, the things that are constantly popping up, obviously, uh, with it being the first time in, in, in the job, uh, there's, there's things popping up constantly that you have to be um, uh, adaptable to. But um, it's exactly what I wanted, exactly what I wanted, exactly what I thought it was going to be, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's dealing with all sorts of uh, um, uh, um, different ramifications through a campaign, through a week, through a year, etc. But that's. That's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be able to deal with all that type of stuff and uh, and enjoy it along the way, and, and that's exactly how I feel. Paul is going to add to any environment. Um, myself and Paul have had a, a good rugby relationship for, for, for many years now, and he's somebody, somebody that I, I keep in, in touch with yeah. on a regular occasion. We've had him in camp a couple of times, and um, I've always been interested of, of what, his, what his thoughts are and his next steps, etc. And uh, yeah, I suppose conversations just keep on happening over a period of time. And um, yeah, the, the timing's right for now for Paul to come into camp and, and get ready for the Six Nations. Uh, I obviously know what an impact Paul has on teams by, by playing under him when he was captain of Ireland and uh, for 10, 15 years with, with, with Ireland and Munster the impact that he had on their environments and he'll be no different here he's a, he's a brilliant leader he's a, he's a brilliant uh, person and uh, his desire his passion for the game is, is second to none and, and that'll rub off on us um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to working with him I'm being pushed every day in, in Leinster with, with the Byrne brothers with, with Kieran Frawley with you know any of the guys that have come into Irish camp um, and you know like Billy, Billy did uh, really well in the sense uh, he picked up obviously uh, a knock in a couple of the games, uh, which was disappointing for him when he was going so well. And and Ross, you know, I thought did really well in patches against England, um, and he would have learned a lot from other other patches against a very tough side, probably one of the toughest sides to play against in, in the world. So um, yeah, they they both deserve to be in here, and they've both done very well. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a good old battle to to uh, to compete for that spot. Um, and, and it'll be no different than anyone else. Like every international coach would tell you, um, uh, the, there's always the, the, the here and now and the medium term and the future, and you've got to be able to deal with, the, deal with them all, you know. Uh, I suppose uh, selection always comes to first and foremost of, of do they deserve to be in the group? Um, and uh, with those uh, young lads, etc., that people are talking about, of course they deserve to be in the group because they'll be in the group to make the group better, you know. Uh, obviously the experience of them being in an international campaign uh, of, uh, of the ilk of, uh, of the Six Nations is, is, is going to be big for them so we'll see how they deal with that along the way as well so every coach adapts to the team that they're playing against and, and the, the conditions that they're playing in from, from week to week 
But if I look at um, you know one of uh, uh, Wayne's first games, it was under the roof um, uh, in the Principality Stadium there against Italy, and they they threw the ball around and had great width and uh, great continuity in their attacking game, and that's something that we've seen with the Scarlets, I suppose. Um, that's that's Wayne's style, um, which was great on on on, on that occasion, um, and I suppose as as the as the year has gone on. Obviously, results and um, uh, the conditions, etc., show that Wayne's got other ways of playing as well. So um, I know that we we play them first game up. Uh, um, I think the the uh, the roof will be closed, so we're expecting uh, Wales to play the, the 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 game that we've seen in the, at the start of the campaign. Tough encounters, like like they always are against Scotland. Um, we play them. We play them second last up at Murrayfield, and uh, you know, in the, in recent times, really, we've 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 had it really tough up there. So it's not going to be any different um, from a Scottish point of view. I think they they are improving the whole time under under Gregor. So they're they're always a threat, and uh, yeah, I suppose it doesn't really matter what's happened in the past because we know which direction that they're trying to go as long as uh, in the same direction as ourselves, and that's upwards. They've been tipped as uh, as one of the favourites going into this tournament for for what they have done in in the past year. Uh, they've got a um, a tremendous squad uh, full of talent and uh, young rising stars that are coming to the to the fore as well. They play a good b uh, blend of rugby uh, as far as the game understanding is concerned, but they also play to the strengths when when the time is right. So they're uh, a very dangerous side uh, to play against as always and. Uh, uh, there's some continuity in in in, in the selection, etc. And uh, yeah, we expect them to be uh, just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than than they have been in the past past year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, they've uh, they've got some outstanding young players coming through. They seem to be very much together. Um, you know, good team spirit, and they're they're coached very well. Um, Sean Edwards seems to have gone in and, and made a difference. So uh, yeah, you'd expect big things from them. Um, uh, but you know, hopefully, we can learn from the game we played against them uh, at the back end of the Six Nations last year, and and um, you know, gives them a better game in, in Dublin this time. Well, first and foremost, the, the obvious the obvious answer is my job as a as a head coach is to make the team to be the, the uh, as good as they possibly can be. You know, to play to our potential, and uh, I suppose where we're sitting at the minute, uh, you guys have, have 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 commented on it, and rightly so. Um, you know, there's a there's a there's a pecking order at this moment in time where two teams are, are going in as favourites, and we as, aspire to be there. Um, uh, I suppose that comes from hard work and and uh, and performing under pressure. You know, we we, we want to be back up there in 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 that type of light come the end of, come the end of this tournament. The Big Red Bench, Sean Cork, Shredder Fennett, Andy Farrell and Johnny Saxon are looking ahead to the Six Nations and that opener against Wales next Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon. Should be an absolutely cracking game and uh, good to see the Six Nations going ahead. Fingers crossed they can go ahead safely and it will be completed safely. The French government, of course, uh, giving their support to the health protocols shown up by the Six Nations organisers during the week as well. So they, France can travel and play their games but of course that can be revised in the event of uh, the public health situation deteriorating in France but look, good to have the Six Nations look forward to over the next number of weeks and fingers crossed uh, Ireland can get up to a winning start against Wales next uh, Sunday evening 
Alright, that's pretty much it from us uh, on the Big Red Bench this evening. I'd like to thank you all for, for tuning our way on the show tonight. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday and Sunday from 6. Fowler will be back at 6, previewing the Six Nations clash. I'll be here on Sunday reviewing all the action. Uh, fingers crossed we'll be talking about an Ireland win. You can follow us on Twitter at Big Red Bench and we're on Instagram as well. And you can follow our Facebook page too. Uh, Green and Red's up next from uh, 7 to 10 3 hours of the best Irish music coming your way right here on Cork's Red FM but that's it from us enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening folks and we will talk to you next Saturday and Sunday from 6 The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM